0: Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast, you're with Colin Klupik. In this second of what's now a two-part interview with David Stanley, former maths teacher and now Director of Learning Ecosystems Growth at LearnFast Australia, we talk about the importance or significance of being able to identify a student's familiarity or apparent familiarity with mathematical concepts as a precursor to success or towards future success. This conversation takes us along a wide variety of paths, but eventually brings us back to the idea that learning simple mathematical principles in a repeated manner can actually have an effect on building learning capacity across other subject areas. Let's find out more. Dave, in an earlier conversation uh, off mic, uh, we were talking about the fact that you think that you can identify students who have better maths foundations than others just by being around them in the classroom or interacting with them or just seeing how they work with numbers. Can you talk to us, talk to us about that?
1: Yeah, look, um, as a high school maths teacher, um, there's a whole lot of concepts. There's a, you know, a, a whole curriculum to get through. Um, and you don't directly deal with tables, but nearly everything they do in mathematics, in the calculations they do, um, there's, you recognise which the students are more familiar, more comfortable with numbers and the relationships between numbers than others, right? So simple things like fractions and trying to get a a common denominator, as we often talk, Mm -hmm. right? But that colloquial phrase as it is now in language comes from dealing with fractions and being able to add or subtract them.
0: Yes, we often refer to the lowest common denominator.
1: Yeah, right? And um, that's what we're trying to do um, all the time. And a lot of students really struggle to recognize what relationships between the numbers allows them to get a common denominator, right? So kids that know their tables really, really well, that becomes a far easier task, right? That simple thing. If they're factorizing, solving uh, algebraic equations, doing quadratic equations, if they're dealing with percentages, that familiarity of numbers just helps so much.
0: Where do you think that comes from? Is that a natural uh, you're born with it kind of thing? Or can you actually condition or train someone to be more familiar with those concepts?
1: We have to have the right conditions to encourage any particular strength. And if something's not something you're born with, you can still uh, upgrade your skills quite a bit, but you won't necessarily be an Olympian, right? We can all walk. We can't all run the 100 metres in, you know, under 10 seconds. Yeah,
0: but we all had to learn to walk. None of us was really born with the capability of walking. I guess the instinct is there to need to learn how to walk.
1: I think that's really, really relevant. How many times do we see parents, particularly first-time parents, that incredible excitement in helping a child take its first steps and then uh, for them to be able to walk unsupported and then to be able to walk around? And once we've got the student mobile, how many times do we say, oh, crumbs, how do we now contain them and stop them running around because we've now got to keep an eye on them and keep them you know, safe? Um, would love to have that same problem with uh, mathematics and thinking. How do we actually help people get excited about students developing really good thinking and capability and then um, have to worry about how to contain minds that are just uh, exploring all sorts of interesting ideas? And I think it's a powerful concept that if we can continually keep our mind on encouragement, right, not limiting uh, kids or students with. Um, whatever blockages we had when we were younger or whatever tastes, good or bad, we had about particular subjects, but more to give that encouragement for students to explore ideas and to build skills because what we're seeing is um, students that started university degrees now, by the time they finish their university degree, a lot of the stuff they were learning at the start of their university degree is now obsolete. And in fact, the jobs they're going to require knowledge that wasn't even around when they started university. Right? So we're trying to train students for um, jobs which aren't yet created in industries which may not exist and doing things we can't even imagine. So we have to create that desire to want to learn, that desire to want to explore concepts, that desire to want to create knowledge and information. That's where we truly empower our students to have really successful outcomes in their life.
0: I wonder if I could just take you down this path for a moment, and uh, I could be drawing a long bow here, but you seem to be uh, telling a story of super encouragement. It's just a massive message of positivity. When I think about what uh, teachers here that they should be doing in the classroom, things like differentiating learning experiences, uh, generating what they now call uh, self-directed learners or using project-based learners. These are all frameworks that seem to be, uh, I guess, very popular from an academic perspective to talk about. You seem to be just talking about really just giving someone all the encouragement they need and and pushing that hard. Is Can we really make these achievements by providing that encouragement only or do we need to use a combination of these frameworks as well?
1: I think like most things in life, there's, there's no one factor that contributes to success. Uh, very much, uh, I guess my conversation was far more uh, aimed towards what parents can do to create an environment that their, uh, their student will then go and seek the knowledge and seek the, uh, the knowledge experts from places like school. Right, where there's a lot of very passionate educators that uh, have a multitude of tools and programs which they can help uh, encourage a motivated learner to explore and excel in. Um, I think teachers would love, I know teachers would love the problem of having students too excited and soaking up too much knowledge that they'd have to provide more to. Um, it's, uh, it's a real shame that so many um, students can have uh, less than desirable learning experience because this some teachers uh, get distracted by the students that don't want to learn and just trying to allow that space for learning to occur with the ones that do want to learn. So a lot of the comments that I'm saying here aren't skill-based, they're around encouragement because that's the biggest single thing that I think a parent can uh, give their, their their child is that encouragement to do better, and and to do better than the parent, and to do better in subjects that the parent wasn't able to do well in, right? Simply because uh, the parent's encouraging, they're giving praise, they're actually picking them up and helping direct them to areas that the student can explore their own strengths or get better at subjects because they're wanting to improve and not having limited, limiting beliefs told to them all the time.
0: Coming back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, about being able to get a, um, a sense of which students have a better mathematical foundation than others. Let's say you walk into a, a classroom and you you do manage to identify those who have a better foundation and those who, are, who perhaps don't have the same sort of background. What sort of things could you suggest in terms of getting those with the better background to perhaps pass on that message to the other students so that there's a a more horizontal, I guess you could call it, um, communication amongst the students rather than a top-down from the teacher all the time.
1: Um, Getting students to actually share their knowledge or information can be really challenging particularly for teenagers because quite often they don't want to stand out or be or be uh signaled out from their peers and i think that's a cultural thing we have to live with in the in the you know um our society is i'd love to be able to work a way to change that culture where we really celebrate success and we celebrate outstanding skills and that people um at school age were willing to acknowledge other people as having more skills and wanting to tap in and have that uh, peer-to-peer uh, um, education. That would be phenomenal.
0: Is it, is it, do you think, a factor of increased competition in our society that, that students wouldn't want to help other students?
1: I'm, I'm not aware of that so uh, um, i can't I can't see that I've seen with uh, my nephews and, and my daughter um, seeing them get help from their peers in different things, um, particularly when it's the learning phase in the assignments or in tests, without a doubt there'll be that competition there. But in terms of helping uh, uh, your friends out or your mates out in terms of sharing understanding you have. Uh, I, I think that at a friendship level, it will occur, um, particularly if it's reciprocated. But um, at a test or assignment level, I, I think there's always that competition that comes into it. But maybe that's one of the, the weaknesses we have around how we choose to examine knowledge or the acquisition of knowledge?
0: Look, I'm just going to go out on a bit of a limb here because in the, in the world of business, we talk about competition, about firms competing against each other. But then we also talk about some industries where firms operate in what they call cooperative competition or co-opetition. Maybe that's a lesson that we can learn from business that we can slowly trickle back down into schools to say, you know, you can actually collaborate and compete collaboratively with one another and just over, across the board, raise the level of the standard what do you think about that
1: yeah um and that really extends a lot of ideas way beyond uh, just the start of the conversation on simple tables
0: oh but, well um, that's that's what uh, education's all about isn't it i mean we like to make a point but if if we if we're going to go somewhere with the topic we may as well go to its extreme
1: yeah w- w- without a doubt without a doubt look probably one of the um great examples of the last 20 years is uh, uh, Ricardo Semler um, who wrote the book Maverick about his experience running a significant business over in Brazil where I guess the best way to sum it up uh, at one stage there and said, okay, well, why don't we get the the people at the coalface, the people that are the knowledge experts are doing each of the individual roles to actually run their roles and hence have the business run by the people working in the business. And my understanding is the business and a range of other similar businesses that are associated with that uh, are growing still today. And there's some great TED Talks around that type of philosophy where um, it doesn't have to be a top-down approach. It doesn't have to be a, a competitive approach. It can be something where people um, are cooperating for the betterment of the whole community and uh, yeah I don't think that that uh, should ever be taken away from the advantages of um, the spirit of competition improving efficiencies and that uh, businesses should always be rewarded for um, providing more efficient, more effective ways of delivering goods and services Um, but that doesn't preclude the spirit of cooperation there
0: perhaps what we could do is we could uh rebrand teachers and instead of calling them teachers we could call them mavericks and then people like head teachers could be called lead mavericks what do you think
1: yeah look there's lots of opportunities there i uh, i think when you start looking at uh, the nexus between teaching and learning you start to realize that um we don't actually teach Um, what we can do is create environments for learning and encourage learning and uh, inspire students to want to learn. And so to that degree, I think teachers are more, um, they're learning space engineers um, to create an environment where students really have the capacity to learn and provide them with tools and frameworks to learn and even seed some of the knowledge. I mean, there's foundation pieces of knowledge which are required um, anyone that goes and learns a language knows that they need around two to three thousand words to have a really good fluent vocabulary, and that stuff 's just got to be learnt right and it 's similar with numbers and it 's similar with anything there 's a certain number of facts and that which need to be learnt, but so much of it now is retrievable easily um, when you can access technology but the fastest working brain uh, fastest working computer there is is the brain, so the better we can load it. Um, the more we have at our fingertips to then look for interesting cross-pollination of ideas across different subject areas and that's something that has yet computers don't do
0: that's a fascinating journey that we've just been on given the fact that we were talking about identifying familiarity or, or background in mathematical skills in students in class but i guess like i said earlier that's what it's all about dave stanley thanks so much for your time cheers thank you You've been listening to the Learning Capacity Podcast brought to you by LearnFast Australia. To find out more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au where you can also subscribe to the blog. Until next time, bye for now.